The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Beck Dental Care, Columbia Academy, Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, Custom Stone Handlers, Covenant Technology, and Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Their trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact them today at 931-381-2663 or visit mtbj.net. Monday morning and welcome to another edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. I'm Chris Yao and I have along with me this morning Maurice Patton as always my left hand man in studio in studio this morning. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) Sorry about that. Sorry not sorry. Not anything you could have done about it. It was just a a unique situation, and we, you know, we figured it out. It, it took us forty minutes, but we figured it out. <laughs> it took y'all forty minutes. <laughs> yeah, but it was a good weekend. How how was uh, how was the drive back from Michigan? Was it better than the drive up? Because you said it took you a lot longer than it should have to get you to get up there. It it wasn't better because less than an hour into it, we ran into a wreck that Oof. had the major thoroughfare that we were on closed out, and so we had to backtrack and loop around and come back. And Scenic it, route though. Did you see any scenes? Saw a lot of. It was really pretty up there. I um, there I, I posted some pictures on Facebook over the weekend. If you're fortunate enough to be a friend of mine, you got to see some of them. But um, it, no, it was really pretty and it was really relaxing. If you could take the drive out of the mix, from here to Michigan is not a short drive. No, it's not. I. And it wasn't just into Michigan. I mean, it was up. It wasn't up to the UP, but it was. It's. I'm glad to be home. <laughs> yeah. I, so I'm the only person that I've ever known that their senior year of high school took their spring break and went to Michigan. Yeah, that's not usually the <laughs> the direction that people go. <laughs> Even in Alabama, yeah. that's not usually the direction that you go. So my aunt lived up there, and she had just had. A baby. She just uh, had my cousin, so we we decided to go up there. My grandparents and I, and yeah, so that was the trip. But I got to go to the big house and mm. got to got to see some cool stuff. But. I went to the big house. Um, Michigan opened the season against Vanderbilt back in I think two thousand seven. Let me tell you something. If I can talk to you as close as we're sitting here like this your 107 or whatever it is that that's that the big house seats is a little overrated although mm-hmm. i will say the way their stadium is laid out it's it's flatter it's mm-hmm. it's it's not straight up like say neyland yeah, stadium Neyland's so it doesn't up. really hold the noise but it was not 
it wasn't intimidating, though. although maybe it was Michigan Vanderbilt instead of Michigan Ohio State that made the difference in the noise, too. Potentially. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah, I, I mean, but that's the thing. Like, when I was at Neyland for UAB, granted it was homecoming, but it was still loud. So, yeah. I mean, anyway. <laughs> so, biggest news of the week in high school sports TWSWA on Friday took out some news with the trash. West Wing <laughs> any any of any of my West Wing fans out there get that one? Uh, the the TWSWA released the enrollment numbers that they will use in order to create classifications for the next two seasons in twenty twenty one twenty two and twenty two twenty three. Yeah, and so that should be. Yeah, and, and speaking to Matthew Gillespie with the TWSAA right before showtime, you know, to their defense, they did not intend that the way it turned out. Sure. Apparently, no. they had some delays in getting some of these numbers, and obviously, this is information that is pretty coveted by, by coaches, you know, administrators, that kind of thing. So, they said, as soon as we get the numbers, we'll get them out, and that was when they got the numbers, and that was when they got them out. It just seemed like a Friday news dump, but it 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 wasn't the intent. Yeah, I can't imagine they would. I mean, that's not something you just dump anyway. No, I mean, that it doesn't matter when you put these out, especially considering like if you wanted to go through and figure it out, you could figure it out. Uh, you know, you can kind of know where about where you're going to end up. Yeah, and. I'm curious, though, how that fourth classification is going to turn out in the other sports. Well, and the thing is, you know, as Bernard Childress and some other coaches discussed coming out of the Board of Control meeting that resulted in the fourth class, you're still going to have some disparities um, with regards to these these classifications. You're going to have some some highs and lows that are going to be – really really wide instead of it being you know the top of of 3a that collier bull is in with 2800 and some change is going to be the top of 4a that and and the bottom that still has that that wide disparity there so you know there's only so much that a fourth class is going to fix so um, i almost wish they had just done it like we talked about, you know, with that seventh class that Alabama added a couple of years ago where they did half the teams. They, you know, they only put 32 teams in that top class. Yeah, and we did that for football a few years back and had a super 32 for that sixth class and then divided everybody else um, one-fifth one or one-fourth one-fourth of what was left. And there is no utopia. No, there's not. And and that's what a lot of folks, if they would realize that all of this would become easier. <laughs> I mean, but but everybody's looking for the perfect solution to this and there's not one. You know, I, I was in a conversation online with somebody talking about the numbers don't tell the whole story because you have some schools that have large numbers but only a small base of athletes. So it, it's not really reflective of those particular schools and and certainly that is a well-based concern 
but what do you do about it? You can't do anything about it. I mean, there's there's literally nothing you can do about that because you can't say, well, this is how many athletes, athletes. we have. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I don't. There's only so much you can fix because and there's only so much fairness that you can create in this situation, and and somebody's going to have an issue no matter how you do it. Yeah, I mean, you have to you have to think that some of Maryville and Oakland's, quote, athletes are really just some bodies that maybe want to ring at the end of the year. <laughs> so, uh, you, it, and, they, and they came to the right place, by the way. And that's fine, but, you know, that, that's a completely different story than somewhere like, say, Lawrence County or Summertown where, you know, it, you really just have your athletes mm-hmm. or even an independence or whatever – it's just a it's a tough situation and Tennessee despite having 96 counties 95 90 okay well still yeah. that's a lot mm-hmm. uh you know they have probably they have far fewer schools than Alabama which and, is very unusual to me and with that far fewer schools the fact that we have six public school State champions in football and three more in Division Two. It's very odd. Is inexcusable. Nine championships for the number of schools in the state of Tennessee is at least two and maybe three too many. In Division Two, you've got forty-seven schools playing for three state championships. One class has eleven schools. Yeah, that doesn't make much sense. It makes no sense. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. He's going to digress on that one. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I already did. But um, um, the numbers, which are based on the number of students that you have enrolled in your 20th day of class. So um, Hampshire on that day had 123 kids. Zion Christian had 123, which, which is odd. Exactly the same number. Yeah. That's very unusual. Yeah. Santa Fe had 153. Columbia Academy had 258, which is in Division II. Um, Kalioka 293. Richland 377. Summertown 383. Mount Pleasant 426, which took me a little by surprise. I wouldn't have thought they had that yeah. many. And, that, and this is in um, grades 9 through 12 in all of these cases, even for a Summertown, which – or, or for the um, the unit schools here in Murray County, which are you know K through twelve enrollment. So um, Mount Pleasant four twenty six, and then Spring Hill had one thousand one hundred and seventy seven kids. Columbia Central thirteen fifty six, Summit fifteen sixty two, and Independence was the largest school in Williamson County with an in- largest Williamson County school public school. With an enrollment of 1,874. Now, what they'll do is they will take those numbers, they will divide those into their classifications in either Division One or Division Two. They will distribute those to the schools. Any school that wants to play up will be able to indicate their um, interest in doing that. And at that time, they will. the state office will then set districts and regions they will take that proposal before the board of control probably at its november meeting and 
get that approved and schools will have the opportunity to voice their concerns with whatever the state office has formulated and and try to move around and that kind of thing and and so as this just came down on Friday and as I've been out of pocket for most of the last 72 hours I've not really had a chance to do much math other than to pull these numbers off of the TWSAA website where you can actually go and pull these up if you'd like to see them for yourself at TWSAA.org um, so but, here, here's what is, is pretty impressive to me. And this is the, like you said, the most surprising number being Mount Pleasant, but Mount Pleasant only went up 25 kids. Okay. Here's the thing is according to, to the numbers here, Summertown lost a hundred and right at a hundred kids from, about from the last kids. from the last count correct which would have been the mid-cycle enrollment numbers that they took right they had 486 in 18 now they're at 383 so, so they lost 103 kids and that potentially puts them in class 1a and nobody's going to want to see that <laughs> especially with those three athletes coming back in football, Schaefer, Johnson, and, and Edmiston. Edmiston. Yeah. So yeah. anyway. No, nobody's gonna want to see that. That's gonna be that that's gonna be an interesting uh I guess development as we see these classification numbers sort of come out. So I wish I knew I wish I knew the cutoffs. Mm-hmm. And, of last time because I don't know that just offhand. Mm-hmm. So it would be easy to figure out, but we don't have the time to do it here. Yeah, I mean, we would literally have to do it. So it may be something that we revisit here later this week because it's going to be a topic sure. again as the um, state office formulates its classifications and that kind of thing and regions and so it's it's going to be a topic for the next six weeks or so absolutely so we'll have plenty of time to come back to it yes we will all right when we come back we're going to talk about friday night's only local high school football game uh columbia academy went over to trinity christian over the weekend and uh we'll talk about that and plenty more when we come back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Well- hey folks, while we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Welcome back in to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yellen with Maurice Patton, J.P. playing on the controls. And it is Monday morning, 25 minutes past 9 o'clock here. I'll tell you, 
we, we we talk about it just about every day. As we can see, the weather outside is fantastic today. It's supposed to be some thunderstorms. But, uh, you know, when you get a good day here in Columbia, you just take take full advantage of it. It's a, it's a beautiful day out here. 72 degrees. Supposed to be a high of 81 today. Sunny in 72. Can't beat it. Uh, yeah, like mm. you said, got a 40% chance of rain coming around four or so. But um, other than uh, that. We'll be home by then. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if anybody wants to call in and talk about anything, those enrollments that we just discussed or what we're going to be discussing going forward, feel free to give us a call at 931-381-1017. Or if, you, if you're a little, not camera shy, mic shy. Feel free to text us at that same number if you got any questions, comments, or concerns. 931-381-1017 is the number to call or text. You can also get us on social media at SM underscore TN Sports. Follow hit, us there. or Hit or, us up. Or you can do like my dad does, and he just tags us on yeah. on our Twitter post, which is perfect. Hit us directly. Um, at Mopatton underscore sports, at Chris Yow 14. Yeah, so like, as we were talking about those numbers and and off the air, Alabama has a has the competition clause where their private schools actually play in the public school division. But say, Columbia Academy wins softball, they win the state championship in softball, or they go to quite quite perceivable. But it's not so just that. it's not just that. So they have to do it two or three years in a row. I can't remember if it's two or three. I think it's two. Mm-hmm. If they do it two years in a row, no matter, like, if they go to the state tournament two years in a row, they have to move up in classification. So, like, the next year they would play in 2A. And then if they go to the state championship for two more years in that classification cycle, they move up again. So Kind of, kind of like soccer relegation or whatever it is, the opposite of. Yeah, but basically they say – we're going to put you in a class. We're, we're going to keep bumping you up in classification until you can't make the state tournament. <laughs> that's that's the goal is to not let you make the state tournament. <laughs> so anyway. But now does Alabama have the multiplier? For yes, 1.35. So already you're being punished and mm-hmm. then you're being punished again if you're a private school. It's a little ridiculous, but well, whatever. Um, I think it was 1.8 here. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. But we didn't have the competition clause. So. Yeah, well, there's that. Anyway, speaking of private schools, on Friday, Columbia Academy was our only local team to take part in high school football. They traveled over to the Jackson area and took on Trinity Christian and got up early, took a 7-0 lead in the first quarter. In the fourth quarter, they had to make a comeback. They score and kick the extra point, and everything is all tied up. And then we go to overtime, and I guess Columbia Academy lost the toss and had to play offense first, and they did their part. They scored, kicked the extra point. Trinity Christian got the ball. They scored and elected to go for two, and – Got it. Unfortunately, they got it, yeah. which means they took a 22-21 win over the Bulldogs and kept me from getting from gaining two games in Pickham. You were in a pretty good spot. I was. I was. I was sitting there pretty. You were in a pretty good spot, and you can thank 
Bronson Bradley and the Tigers yeah. for picking up the game you picked up. And yeah, JP laughed at me, man. The, the, the whole the whole crew. Wes was Wes was like, "Oh yeah, no, it's definitely Loretto." I don't recall a laugh coming out of this microphone, but it was definitely yeah. Wes. <laughs> you did get some chuckles. Yeah, Dun- Duncan's yeah. Duncan's sitting there going, "Yeah, I guess I did probably laugh at him, but that was a terrible impression of me." <laughs> Duncan Duncan giving you grief? He was man. Well. It's that right. that was probably what sealed it. That's, actually, that's what it was. Duncan giving you grief. That's what yeah, it was. only you and Coach Dickinson were on yeah. the uh, Tiger Train. Tiger Train. Friday night. Anyway, it it, it roared boisterously. It did. I, I, I'm not surprised, and and yeah. and I'm really happy for those guys because they really needed that. Yeah, and we, I, I I really I thought I had I really thought CA had this one. And I was like, man, I'm fixing to go up. I'm finna get. I'm finna get a, an extra game, and then it turns out to be a wash. And I was like, God, <laughs> it's okay. Great job, you know, by this team, completely changing their offense over the the course of the last couple of weeks. They mm-hmm. they had to kind of find a new Franklin Walker, and that's impossible to do. But Max Ballard carried the load, had a pretty good night. 18 carries, 130 yards. What I'll do you take have? that he no matter had, what. Um, had the touchdown in overtime to um, put CA up 21-14. And um, like you said, you can't ask for much more than that. I mean, 18 carries for 130 yards, that's pretty dang productive. It really is. So um, yeah, you just got to get a little bit more to go around him. It, it, I mean, he had 18 for 130 as a team. They had 47 carries for 190 yards. So do the math there. What's that, 29 for 60? Yeah, you know, we knew that coming into this game that Columbia Academy was going to spread the ball around i don't know if we knew they were going to spread it around quite as much as they did on offense there there's probably 10 names eight eight. i mean that that's a i mean that that's one that's the wing t but that's something that you kind of have to do when you're looking for who is going to take over the workload well yeah. and and you're just kind of trying to figure out where the where the soft spot is in that, in that defense. other defense as well so mm-hmm. you're, you're trying to spread it around and move it around and find something that you can exploit a little bit and and it sounds like max ballard in the middle was what they came up with because the edges weren't there although chris modesti had six carries for 27 yards um nice night from a yards per carry perspective, just um, maybe didn't quite get as many carries as you would have liked to have seen. Yeah, potentially. It just, you know, when we look, when we look at this this Columbia Academy team going forward mm-hmm. from losing Franklin Walker and going back to the wing T, it's it's an offense that is predicated on finding that soft spot, but which of your athletes do you put in the position to to get there mm-hmm. is important. And I think Charlie Lansdale does such a good job of that. He the in game adjustments that they make on that staff are, are are really impressive. Yeah. Yeah, they've um they've been together for a while for the most part, the core group of that staff and um 
you know, they've had a lot of success. And so from that standpoint, you can't really count them out. But they've kind of put themselves behind the eight ball at this point in terms of postseason prospects as they get Tipton Rosemark coming in this weekend for their final home game of the season. Right. You know, if you're going to go back and, and point the finger at something that makes you go, what if, I think it has to be the three turnovers. Fumble twice, throw a pick. Um, that's it's not really a recipe for success because especially when you outgain your opponent by almost 75 yards in total offense, turnovers that will kill you. Not just that, but nine penalties. Yeah. And, that's uncharacteristic of this team. And the turnovers have been a problem. Mm-hmm all season and that's something that you know when you are struggling the way they they have to this point it's obviously something that's got to be cleaned up for them to take the step forward that they want to take oh there's no question it's there has to be something that that gives and it's got to you know you can't turn the ball over three times and expect to win when you are already struggling Mm -hmm. Um, that being said had every opportunity to win, and I guess probably, like you said, should the, have. Like you said, the coin flip was was kind of where this thing turned because you feel like the home team winning the flip decided we'll go on defense first, see what we have to do on offense to win this ball game. And typically, at home, you're going to kick the extra point. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, sorry about that. Um, I don't have a dump button over here, and I had to clear my throat. But um, let me clear the, the, my throat. Da, 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 da. <laughs> anyway, let's let's get that for a bumper. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that first team is gonna kick the extra point because you know if you go for two no right off the bat and and don't get it, then you've almost gift wrapped it. Sure, for the team that's gonna possess it second. Yeah, kudos to whoever came up with the high school overtime rule, though. I like it, although I wish they would move it back. You think it's too easy? I think 10 yards is a little too easy. I think the 20 or 25 would be better. Um, I think, though, if you've battled to overtime, you know, you've probably had some issues offensively. And so 10 you you might see some scoreless – Overtimes going from the twenty-five. Okay, like a. <laughs> I would rather see scoreless overtimes than sixty-five, sixty-two. That's just me, but maybe I'm. I wonder if the high school shouldn't shouldn't adapt the college rule though that after two overtimes you have to you go have for two. to go for two. If they moved it back, I think you'd you'd see that. But maybe I, I don't know. I I'm okay with whatever. I would almost even go after one possession it's sudden death that'd be fun yeah that'd be fun unless you're the team that doesn't get the ball again it's it's on your defense put it on your defense well well, how 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 sudden death are you going to make it is it the first team that scores or is it if you score you win if you don't score you lose no no not like that you'd have you you Man, well, that's I mean, it. But how how do you get to the points though? You can't give your defense just 
random points. In overtime. Just call it an overtime win, but, yeah. the, but the score is tied 22-22. Yeah. <laughs> and you I get mean, one point in I the mean, standings. I, and I mean, <laughs> hey, if you want to get diabolical, let's get real diabolical, you know. <laughs> I don't know if that's – I mean, I. that's why I like – you know, that, that was the arena football rule, but they also kicked off and, mm -hmm. you know – so that you sort of so thing. you could go on side if you wanted to. Sure, you you could in arena ball on a fifty yard field. Well, you could also try to kick <laughs> it off the uh, off, off the, the net iron from the net and get where, that bounce. Yeah, man, that was the that was the best way to get that. And we had a guy who could do it just about every time. Wow, in, in Birmingham, that was a lot of fun. But yeah, so that that's an option. I mean, it, if you put it at the twenty five, I feel like it's it's an option. But I don't know. I, I'm shocked just that we don't see it. Short. I'm shocked that we don't see any more overtimes than we do, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I, right. I've not, I've not seen one this year. I don't know that I saw one last year. Uh, as like a game you were at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I'm not sure I've seen one either. But uh, you know, when they happen, they're a lot of fun because again, yeah. you're just ten yards away. It's it's first and goal. You got to. You got four downs to get in the end zone. Yeah. And and, and you got people running shotgun. Exactly. <laughs> Unfortunately, again, Trinity Christian 22, Columbia Academy 21. That really puts the Bulldogs in a precarious situation as far as it goes with the playoffs. They do have Tipton, Rosemark, Clarksville Academy, and Fayette Academy. I almost said Franklin. No. And Fayette Academy remaining on the schedule the last two on the road yeah so and they remain winless on the year and still still haven't quite gotten a win on the board so we'll talk about another team that was winless going into the into last week's high school football season one we already talked about mount pleasant big win over loretto we're going to talk a little bit more about that and the other games from last week as well as go over our picks and any um any high school football or any high school athletics action you may be able to see today or tomorrow when we come back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee, Barn & Joint. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. Welcome back in. Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. 16 minutes to the top of the hour, where we will have, on the other side of the top of the hour, we will have Chip Walters on our weekly Monday morning segment. So, let's, uh, don't forget to stay tuned for that. We'll talk about Middle Tennessee State football and his trip down to South Florida. Right now, let's talk a little bit about that big... Big game from last week, Mount Pleasant. They get a win over Loretto. Huge win for that program. And, you know, 
as we talked about going into it, it it was the first time that Mount Pleasant really had the majority of their team on the field at the same time. Even without Ethan Beasley, this team really showed up in a big way. And obviously late it got it almost got away from them, but it showed early that this team is really, really good. Yeah, you know, we've talked about the young inexperienced skill players that they have who did not get the benefit of preseason work and everything that comes with that. And I just kind of feel like it's taken them to this point to really get that confidence and, and get some, some game time under their belts and that kind of thing. And you, excuse me, finally start to see that. This weekend, I mean, another huge game out of Xavier Davidson. Um, 164 yards on, I'm sorry, 162 yards on 14 carries and a three-touchdown night. Um, it's just the explosiveness that they've got and the offense that they run is is one where if one person on defense is out of place, then you, you get a 73-yard run when somebody like – Davidson has got the ball so sure and and they've got plenty of of options Mm -hmm. in that backfield that's what's impressive is they do have not only Davidson but Bubba Patton had a big game Mm -hmm. it's very Strayhorn had a good game on the ground and Keevan Cooper while you know he still he he hasn't had a game like he did against Fayetteville again but he's just a freshman and he's gonna only get better yeah yeah and you know, <laughs> a game like he had against Fayetteville kind of gets some other folks' attention too. So exactly. So, you know, you you kind of got to know where twenty two is for Mount Pleasant. Yeah, no question. So, you know, again, first quarter they get up thirteen nothing, give up a, a touchdown in the second quarter to go into the half up thirteen six, and then coming out of the half, you know, Mount Pleasant scores twice on those two. Xavier Davidson runs, they get up 27 to 6. And you're feeling pretty good at that point, aren't you? You I think so. No, I mean you. Oh, I was feeling great. <laughs> I was feeling fantastic. I, I'm sitting there going, "Hmm, I wonder who who could have ever predicted such <laughs> such a a turn of events." And meanwhile, I'm in the car somewhere in Indiana texting JP, "Hey, you got any um Got any Mount Pleasant updates? And he hits me with 27-6. I'm like, oh, yay. <laughs> I mean, credit this – I'll tell you, credit this Mount Pleasant team. Like I said, they never quit, ever. And Bronson Bradley has this team prepared each and every week. And despite Loretto coming in with a little momentum mm-hmm. – Perhaps they may have taken Mount Pleasant a little for granted early and got into a too big of a hole, potentially. But Carter Daniel had a pretty good ball game, especially in the second half. He brought his team just about all the way back. Well, and Amoro Joyner had a pretty good ball game for Loretto with 142 rushing yards as well and a touchdown early. And when you're talking about and Amorio Amoro Joiner is very very good football player. Obviously, he was 
less of a factor in that fourth quarter because they're I mean they're trying to throw the ball to get back in. Right, it. right. So credit those kids for not giving up either and, and making this a ball game because again Mount Pleasant had to literally stop the last play of the game to preserve the win. I got to say this, looking at the pictures that you came out of there with on Thursday night, I'm really digging these Loretta Unis. Kind of kind of got that Purdue look. Very Purdue. Um, even 90s Vandy kind of with that gold the hel- helmet. The helmets are kind of Vandy-ish. The, the print on the jerseys, those large numbers – yeah, those are which, cool. Which for aging sports writers are fantastic. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, Purdue-ish. I like it. I like it. That's yeah. a good look for the Mustangs. And, and I'll, you know, I'm a big <clears> – well, I'm, I'm a big fan of both the both the uniforms, to be honest with you. I mean, Mount Pleasant's more – I guess they're a little more modern. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of red, though. It is a lot of red. I, I will say I would this. love to see the pant- see some blue pants. With that red jersey, with even, the blue accents they've got, even white. That being said, Loretto also has Low Town on the front of their jersey, and I don't really know what that's about. But, uh, if you if you know, you know. Maybe if you, yeah, I don't. I'm not sure. Do you know what that is, JP? I mean, you're from down there. You can help. It's us. it's um it's just a. Uh, uh, one of those things they call themselves. Kind of like, kind of like Columbia and Sea Town. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Trying to get something to stick. There, there are a couple of businesses that uh, use the Low Town moniker. Gotcha. Um, so within the community down there, it's recognizable. But and really, I guess that's all that matters. There you if go. It's recognizable to them. If you know, you know. Who cares, right? Hashtag. I-Y-K-Y-K. Right. Um, Jackson Collier went down in the first half with an injury, the the sophomore kicker from Mount Pleasant. Uh, he did punt in the second half, so hopefully he's he going to be okay. He got banged up the week before as well, did he not? Yeah, I'm not sure what's uh, what, what's up there. but anyway. When he's on the field, he's a weapon. He is, absolutely. Maybe not as big of a weapon as Xavier Davidson, and that's why Xavier Davidson is this week's Covenant Technology Player of the Week. Nice segue. Yeah. Uh, once again, Davidson had a fantastic football game. Went up. Oh, appreciate that. <laughs> he went for 162 yards on 14 carries and the three touchdowns as we talked about. So, Xavier Davidson, Covenant Technology Player of the Week. Normally, we, we like, try to stay away from what we're getting ready to do. Yeah, we, we would not do this on a typical basis. However... Or, or as Stephen Smith, uh, Stephen A. Smith would say. However, I can't. We could not do this without great justification, and I think there's no better justification than the fact that Mount Pleasant gets their first win of the year. And they are our end to win life team of the week presented by Custom Stone Handlers. The Mount Pleasant Tigers, the end to win life team of the week. Well deserved. Absolutely. Absolutely well deserved. Tough to argue with your first win of the year. Yeah. And not just that, just a a really good performance. It wasn't like they, they come out and, and barely 
get the win. No. I mean, like you said, they were up 27-6 at one point and then played just enough defense late and just a complete team effort on their part. Great job. Yep. And finally, our Columbia Cent- – uh, I'm sorry, our Scholar Athlete of the Week is Columbia Central defensive back Laith Natty. Done a great job for the Lions at his cornerback position thus far this season and obviously doing a great job in the classroom as well. Congratulations to Mr. Natty. All right. So, um, the <laughs> I guess we talk about Thursday night games and whatnot. The, the Summit-Franklin County game – it was kind of went exactly the way we expected it to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty big win there for Summit, and I don't think Franklin County's quite to the level that they need to be at this point. That being said, they have obviously won some games they probably shouldn't have, one in particular. Um, <laughs> so, well, it depends on who you ask, because some would say that clearly they should have. <laughs> clearly. So there's that. Um, but big win for Summit. They continue to to roll right now. And coming off of COVID, they kind of got their legs back under them. Obviously, they, they struggled a little bit early, a couple of picks on their first two drives. But once they settled in, got the rust off, they, they looked really good. And I think the biggest takeaway from that game, though, is the return of Keaton Wade. Absolutely. That's the number one thing. Yeah. yeah. Keaton Wade returns, and that's that's massive. Returns, catches a touchdown pass. Um, the only time he touched the ball, yeah. as it turned out. 21-yard touchdown reception. But um, I think you're going to see a little bit more of him probably this weekend against Shelbyville. Oh, I, I expect to see a lot of number seven this week. Uh, really excited about being in that game, so – also on Thursday, Spring Hill and Richland, pretty good ball game. I, I was out there for that one. It was um, tw- 13 nothing at the half. Spring Hill, Richland comes out, puts together a really good drive. They score, cut the lead to 13-6, and then Landon Seacrest breaks it. And when I say breaks it, I mean he breaks it and goes uh, – 59 yards. Yeah, 59 yards for a touchdown goes up nine. They go up 19 to seven. Mm -hmm. Richland comes back. They score again and make it 19 14. And then they get a strip sack of Luca Boylan at the uh, two and a half minutes to go. Mm hmm. And Richland drives down. They, They get a big pass play, get into Spring Hill territory at the 30. And at that point, it just kind of goes backward from there, unfortunately. And Richland, Richland coach Nick Patterson was unhappy with the spot on that fourth down throw. Mm. I, I thought it was the right spot, but again, I was on the sideline that, that Nick was on. I may have had a little bit better view because of my angle, but the the receiver dove back to the ball he was standing on did the he, other side he, of the did, sticks. did he have to dive to come up with it it was a low it was a low pass so if it's thrown in his chest i think it's a first down and we're talking about potentially a different ball game mm-hmm. uh but it was probably the right spot um if i'm an official 
and it's on the other sideline, hmm. it may have been a little better spot. But it just depends, I guess, on the, the situation at hand. And unfortunately, it went the way of the Raider, well, the Spring Hill Raiders. <laughs> it, it went it went Spring Hill's way for, you know, and that's unfortunate for the Richland team, but a great ball game nonetheless. You know, I think this would have been a great win for Richland had they been able to pull it off. At the same time, I don't think it's a bad loss at all. No, like you're, you're you talking said, about a 4A school. Yeah, I think this game went pretty much the way we expected it to going in. Um, well, it went Rich, exactly the way you predicted it would Richland, go. Richland's offense gave Spring Hill some problems. Um, Spring Hill's explosiveness gave Richland some problems. And, and I'm really excited to see, you know, what Landon Seacrest in particular – takes out of this game going into Marshall County. I don't know if um, – it's nice to see that senior back get things going and hopefully have a good second half of the season, a good productive second half. All right. Tonight, if you want to see some high school sports, you can do so. Centennial Soccer will travel to Independence. That's at 6 p.m. The winner of that will take on top-seeded Franklin tomorrow in district soccer play summit soccer travels to ravenwood that's at 6 p.m as well the winner of that will take on brentwood tomorrow at 6 p.m lincoln county travels to columbia central that's tomorrow at 6 30 and then columbia academy will go to good pasture at five tomorrow richland soccer won their district tournament over the weekend and we are still efforting to figure out what's next. Exactly, for them. yeah. We're, we're trying to figure out what's next for them. Summit and Summertown Volleyball, they advanced to the regional tournaments. Both of them will play tomorrow. Summertown travels to Liberty, Liberty. Magnet out in Jack, uh, Liberty Tech yeah. out in Jackson for that one. And Summit will be at Brentwood in their regional tournament. So there you go. On the other side of this break, we've got Chip Walters talking Middle Tennessee State football. We'll be right back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Beck Dental Care, Columbia Academy, Jones & Lang Sporting Goods, Custom Stone Handlers, Covenant Technology, and Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. Specializing in orthopedic injuries and their ortho-quick walk-in service lets you bypass the ER. Visit them online at mtbj.net. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joints. It is seven minutes past the hour of 10 o'clock here on Monday morning in Columbia, Tennessee. October 12th is every Monday we will be joined by our friend Mr. Chip Walters, brought to you by the law offices of Blake Kelly. You can find Mr. Kelly on his Facebook and Instagram. So make sure that you do that. Again, Chip Walters brought to you by the law offices of Blake 
Kelly. And you I'll can tell also you. call Blake Kelly at 615-305-4539. This guy's got a memory like a iron vault. <laughs> Something like that. Sporting his newfound tan hmm. after a trip to South Florida. <laughs> Joining us on the line now is Middle Tennessee State Blue Raiders play-by-play. I guess I, I was trying to come up with some kind of emphatic introduction, but I couldn't come up with a, a word that even remotely describes the amazingness of chip walters so we will bring him in now without any further ado <laughs> chip welcome hey guys how are y'all this morning how are you sir after um a victorious trip to south florida well it made uh, made for a nice uh nice flight home and uh you know and and you know and i'm sure for you know coach stock and 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 the players, they 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 typically they they kind of do it. Run an NFL schedule. They they play on Saturday. They'll come out and they'll practice on Sunday, and then Monday is their day off. So they practiced yesterday, and I'm sure there was a little extra zip in the step yesterday. And you know, it always makes you feel good about yourself when you can go on the road and get a win. Makes that off day a little easier to enjoy too. I would imagine after that 31-28 victory over um, host Florida International. He just dropped off uh, technical issues. We'll get him back on in just a moment. Just dropped off there. So. Well, three weeks in a row. Third time was not the charm for us. That's <laughs> Try okay. again next week. <laughs> we'll do it again. Yeah. It's what we, it's what we do here. Uh, but, yeah, you know, Middle Tennessee going down to Ricardo Silva Stadium. Got to love that. And and, <laughs> and really, you know, the, the um, margin aside – this was a pretty decisive victory for the Blue Raiders as you look at it. They um they led 17-14 at the half, but they had a 17-point second quarter and then they had to hold off um FIU late. But um another performance that was pretty Asher O'Hara driven. Is that is that fair to say, Chip? Yeah, it, it is. Uh 106 yards rushing for him. 106 of the 161 rushing yards came from from Asher, and he threw for 268. And you know the thing that you that really you feel good for him about is he threw two early interceptions. One of them on the third play of the game, and which gave FIU a, a very short field, uh, and and they they went up seven nothing almost immediately, and uh, and then another. Middle was going in and had a great drive in about the 20 yard line, and he kind of short armed the ball and almost about a half jump pass, you know, to a receiver right at the goal line and and uh, short armed it a little bit. A linebacker was able to jump up and grab it, and then after that he really got things going, and uh, and and then you know to, for what they did to it, the way they ended the game, you know they they get the ball back with about six minutes to go five minutes to go right in there, bring it down, needing to score a touchdown. Uh, and, you know, they got to midfield with about two and a half to play, something like that. And so you knew at that time that was going to be their last opportunity. Mm -hmm. So it was not, you know, go down, quick to kick field goal, get the ball back. You knew they had to score a touchdown on that drive. So they continued down, 
got it uh, inside and and, uh, and 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 threw a nice, really nice pass uh, for, for the touchdown. His second touchdown of the night, and it was uh, Jaron Pierce again. He and Yusuf Ali have really risen to the occasion uh, of being kind of the go-to receivers. C.J. Wyndham also had four catches on the night and had a touchdown. And since he's been able to get back in the lineup, he's got a you know big NFL-type body. Uh, he, he's playing well. And so that got him the lead. And then, uh, interestingly enough, uh, as you, you know my analyst very well, Wes Counts, and uh, the uh, their quarterback, uh, Kalen Wiggins, you know, he, he doesn't throw it very well. Mm-hmm. And – and all night long, Scott Schaefer had been calling up blitz packages and bringing pressure on Wiggins, trying to force him out of his comfort zone. And West just kept saying, he goes, you know, you keep bringing pressure, he's going to throw it to you at some point. And then, sure enough, they after middle and taking the lead, kicked back off and, uh, and it was, uh, they threw it over, he threw it over the middle and, uh, Miami native Greg Great, uh, able to make the game-winning interception in his hometown. So that was kind of a nice little bow on the package right there. Yeah, I caught the tail end of that ball game, and um, ball kind of took off on um, on the FIU quarterback there over the middle, which is not where you want one to take off on you at. But, um, you know, for – No, for, because you, cause you typically have safety help back there. Yeah, and that's what happened. And so, you know, it, I guess it was a little ironic that O'Hara throws two picks early – and FIU throws one late, and and that was kind of the decisive play right there. Yeah, it was, and you know, and you know, sometimes you know you you're always going to have mistakes in the game, and sometimes it comes down to when you make that mistake. And uh, you know, uh, not that you know one, one interception does not necessarily always equal another, but because in this case it, it wasn't a pick six, but it you know it certainly got you the ball back and, and allowed you to run the clock out and. Butch Davis, you know, at, at that point, you know, knew that he could not call enough timeouts right. to to save the game, so he, he he didn't call any. As a matter of fact, and uh, and and Middle was able to run the clock out and get the get the win. And 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 I'm telling you, tough conditions for both teams. It was so muggy and hot down there at kickoff time at four o'clock central hmm. or four o'clock eastern, three o'clock central. It was 90 degrees, but the feel like the air was so thick and the humidity was so high, the air, the feel like was 101 uh, at, at, at kickoff. And so, and, and you know, the thing is, I didn't see many cramp issues. You had you had some other injuries and guys go down, but I did not see, you know, a ton of cramping issues. And that's a credit to, you know, those guys, the, the sports medicine staff, and you know, the trainers in preparing early in the week. Start your hydration. You know, when you've got a game like that, starting it, you know, on Wednesday and Thursday and, and to where you don't have those issues come Saturday. Feels like 101 second weekend in October. That's crazy. Yeah, how about that? 101 feel-like temperature, and, and Stock in his postgame said he, he was he was going to go with the feel-like of 150 <laughs> because he, saw, he fe- said he felt like that, that was what it was all about. Yeah. Great win for the Blue Raiders. Much needed win. Get to one and yep. four overall, one and two in conference play with that thirty-one twenty-eight win at Florida International. Again, we're speaking with the voice of the Blue Raiders, Chip Walters. And um 
This segment sponsored by the law office of Blake Kelly. Chip, um, what's next on the docket for the Blue Raiders? Back home against North Texas, uh, Saturday afternoon, four o'clock central time, uh, at, at Floyd stadium. There are a few individual game tickets. Again, there, the, the, uh, the attendance restrictions are still ongoing, but there are some tickets available at goblueraiders.com slash tickets. Uh, and you can buy those online and all, all ticketing this year. There's no hard paper tickets. Everything is mobile ticketing. So you do it off of your device, but, uh, North Texas, uh, just lost at home over the weekend to Charlotte, 49 to 21. They've had some COVID issues on their team. As a matter of fact, they they had uh, one game where they did not have anybody uh, in their linebacking core that was in there too deep that was available. I mean, they had moved fullbacks, wide receivers, other folks over to play to play linebacker. They had lost a game early in the year to Houston, but that was not that was Houston's. Uh, COVID issues, but but uh, they they have had their struggles. They have scored some points, but they have given up uh, tons of points and tons of yards. So th- they have struggled in that area, uh, and and they come in uh, on Saturday a bit wounded, but uh, in, in middle, you know, hopefully feeling pretty good about you know themselves and and feeling better about where they are, and and, and they've gotten better you know over the last three weeks and. You know, you're five points away from being three and zero in in conference play, and um, and, and and you know the, the the hard part is sometimes you you play a lot better and improve and didn't have things to show for it, and uh, but middle was able to close it out over the weekend with FIU, and now you've got a chance to come home. If you can play well, you'd have a great shot against North Texas and get some momentum on your side. As you mentioned, North Texas comes in here one and three overall, zero and two in conference USA play, following that forty nine twenty one loss to visiting Charlotte. Um, besides Asher O'Hara, what do you take out of this past weekend? Uh, that the defense, the, the defense gave up two long runs. Uh, outside of that, I'm not sure they gave up another. Uh, Every coach has a different name for it—a boom play or what? You know, an explosive play or whatever. They gave up a 63-yard run and a 65-yard run, and a lot of that I think came from the fact that that Scott Schaefer went into the game with the with the intention of of bringing a lot of pressure. And when you do that, you make yourself vulnerable. If if, if somebody gets a, gets a block on a linebacker. And you've got, you know, safeties coming up on run support. You know, if they make one good block, you you put yourself in a position where you could give up a big run. They got two big runs and they got the, you know, the short field touchdown. The other thing that I come away with is the defense is playing pretty good, doggone good right now. They gave up 20 last week to Western uh, in a loss uh, and, and, and then come back and give up. 28 this time around had five sacks, seven tackles for loss. So they are they're, they're they're getting folks healthy and starting to play pretty good right now. And again, you've got this stretch coming where you've got uh, North Texas this week. Uh, then the following weekend you go to Rice, who has not yet played a game. The uh, the game with Middle will be their first. I was going to ask. And then you get a they, week off. Yeah. You get a week off before you go into a a, a pretty tough November that has. 
back-to-back road trips to Marshall and Troy uh, right in the middle of November. So, so you, you want to make some hay right now while you can. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of this this weekend's game against North Texas, this is a completely different offense than what you saw this past week as they like to throw the ball around a little bit. And, and, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this kid's name right, but Austin Ani. They're, they're, well, I don't know. I, I will know, I will learn his name uh, tonight. Uh, I'm, I'm talking to their play-by-play guy tonight. And uh, so we're going to have our little skull session tonight. So I will – but yes, they do like to throw it around, and they have scored some points. They've got some. They've got some talented running backs, uh, three that they like, and they've got a lot of wide receivers. And we've seen, you know, we've seen North Texas kind of change the way they play offense several times over the past few years. But you know, right now, you know, offense is not their issue right now. It, their their big problem is they have had. You know, they have had people just running free against them uh, sure. defensively. So uh, it, it is. This will be, uh, you know, the the secondary will be, will be tested this week. But again, you know, it's a, you know, it all works together. If you can get pressure up front, it uh, it makes life easier uh, on, on your secondary by, by forcing the quarterback out of his comfort zone. But don't you feel like though, Chip, the way you guys are constructed? that a team that throws it around kind of plays into y'all's hand with the talent you got on the back end? Well, you know, you would, you would hope so. Uh, Reed Blankenship, you know, is back there. And Greg Great is, you know, Blankenship is, a you know, on all kinds of, you know, all kinds of different watch, watch lists, the Bronco Nagurski and all those. But you've got, you've got two good corners that, that play really physical. DeCorian Patterson is, is back. He, he had a little – he got nicked up a little bit. He plays very physical at one of the corner positions. And then you've got two really talented guys like, like you know, Blankenship and Great uh, on the back end that, that, you know, that are – you know, play center field pretty good but also give good run support. And, and, and both are good uh, tacklers in space. So – against a team like North Texas – that's a that's a skill that that comes in handy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on Ani or on or whatever his name Austin. is, uh, Austin. Austin <laughs> was a three star prospect who signed with TCU out of high school, but then he decided to play six years with the New York Yankees organization and made it up to high A Tampa ball before spending the spring at Arkansas. So this is a guy who's got some Power Five potential playing in Conference USA, and he's got a heck of a receiver to throw to who Jalen Darden had a insane game on Saturday. 13 catches, 244 yards, and three scores. So he's definitely – those two will definitely test the secondary, and we're I'm excited for one to, to see how the two strengths play to each other. Again, Chip, we're going to yeah. let you go because I know you've got uh, Rick's – press conference coming up here in just a few moments but we'd appreciate you spending some time with us here on monday morning every monday we appreciate it i do appreciate it i do want to leave you with one little odd sure. tidbit of the week okay uh and this has nothing to do with sports all right I to, uh, uh, my toaster went out okay uh and i had to, had to buy a new toaster uh and this kind of this kind of has me questioning where the world is because i bought a toaster nothing fancy just two slices you know, push it down, and it's a toaster. That's it. Nothing fancy. It had a 32-page instruction booklet. 
How many different languages were those, though? I mean, uh, one. Oh. Thirty-two page instruction booklet. Well, I, I man, that's tough. I can pretty that's well just, tell you that I have never read the instruction manual to a toaster. That, well, you you and I have something in common. I, I, all I did was I saw that. I said, that's a little thicker than it needs to be. And I looked to see what the last page number was, and it was thirty-two. So there's 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 your there's your odd fact of the day. Without a doubt. <laughs> that that's that's certainly the leader in the clubhouse no question man that's good thanks chip so much for joining us we appreciate it once again chip walters voice of the middle tennessee state blue raiders he's brought to you each week by the law office of blake kelly who's serving the listening area and accident and injury law call blake at 615-305-4539 or visit his page on facebook or instagram when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some baseball news and some NFL. We've got Titans, Falcons, Cowboys, Cowboys, all kinds of news coming back. When we come back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Hey, folks. While we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports today. It is the bottom of the hour, 10.30 on the dot. And we are half an hour away from being through Monday's show, which is really, you know, it's truly an accomplishment for us to get through a Monday show after high school football ended on Thursday, and we talked about it already on Friday, so I'm... I mean, the fact that we're 30 minutes away and we haven't just completely lost our minds on what to talk about. <laughs> Have, haven't exhausted, you know, emptied the gas tank. That's right. We're, we're still two segments away, though, and the, and, and segment and the next segment has nothing in the, the queue, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> that being said, <laughs> oh, that being said, we should definitely talk about two things. One... The Tennessee Titans did not have any positive COVID tests this morning, but I don't know who they tested. I don't know if they tested everybody, including those who have already tested positive, or if it's just the people who haven't tested positive, or I, I have no idea who they've tested. That being said, they are still scheduled to play tomorrow night on CBS against the Buffalo Bills. Now, what that means and who's on the field remains to be seen. And what happens tomorrow morning? What happens tomorrow morning? We've seen them have two days of negative tests and then have one test on the next day. So I, who knows? Don't you think Roger Goodell would just pull his hair out if they had a positive test tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. So as much as, and I understand, I really do. I get it that you don't want to have to push games or cancel games or whatever. But the TSSAA and high schools in general have gotten this right. They really have. 
you know, and, and, you know, kudos to Bernard Childress and the TSSAA for, you know, making every effort to get all of the information that they need to get to try to make the most informed and best decision for the largest number of people. I, you know, to, to think that we are in week nine of the high school football season and haven't had any more disruption than we've had is, I mean, hats off to everybody involved with that. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it seems silly at this point if the Titans had just quarantined when they had the first positive test, the Pittsburgh game gets moved, and that's the only thing that happens. And, because and they played got, Buffalo yesterday. They played Buffalo yesterday. If they had just done what they should have been doing from the beginning. So who do I blame in this situation? I don't blame anybody. What I do say is that it could have been handled better. It could have and should have been handled better, not only by the organization, but by the individual players who clearly did not make the best judgment holding workouts. Now, I understand, again, there's preparation involved. There's a lot of things that you need to do, but – now you have really screwed the pooch at this point because if there is that, a positive that, that, test that's your technical way of describing it if there is a positive test tomorrow i don't think they play football goodness if there's an if there, if there's one maybe they do maybe they just say look if you've tested positive in the last two weeks you, you can't play you can't be anywhere near the facility and you got to go now what i would do if i'm the nfl is i tell them you got to find somewhere else to play. It, I mean, depending on how long – I don't guess they've been in Nissan Stadium. They have a whole facility that's outside of the stadium. Mm-hmm. So either if, – if nobody's been in Nissan, we're all good. Okay? But everybody that goes into Nissan Stadium has, has to test – Has to be now, negative. Has to be negative. And at that point, I mean, that's the only way to do it. Anyway, that's just it, – it's a, it's a weird situation. But – that's kind of where we're at right now. And, you know, when you look at what the NFL is dealing with, with the Titans here in particular, it makes what the NBA was able to do and what Major League Baseball was able to do and, and the NHL that much more impressive. I think I saw a tweet last night that, you know, the NBA was in their bubble for 73 days and has zero positives. Seventy-three. Yeah, because that's if two you, and a half months. That's because if you if you ordered takeout, they told you to go home. <laughs> or if you went to Atlanta for chicken wings. Yeah, I mean, seriously, like there, there, the NBA did it a little bit differently than I probably would have, but I think they did a good job. The MLB, which again, in the indoor sport, completely different situation. Mm-hmm. NHL and NBA did their thing. They did it in a bubble because, again, indoors, I kind of understand it. Congrats to the Lakers, by the way. They can jump off a cliff. Um, I'm a Celtics fan. Oh. (laughs) No no congrats to anybody in Los Angeles today or any other day. It ain't like they beat y'all for the championship. Yeah, well, that's neither here nor there. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. So – MLB is outside. I don't understand their bubble, but whatever. Here we are. Um, 
I guess it keeps you from having to be in too many airports, and I guess that's a positive. Um, do Major League Baseball teams fly through airports? I'm no. sure they have to go through a terminal I, of no, some sort. No, I, I don't know a little, do. a little insight. I traveled with the Charlotte Bobcats for five years. A little this insight guy. on 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 this. No, they do not. Uh, private airports, and uh, they walk right off the plane onto, onto a, bus. a bus, and then when they load up, the bus takes them right to the steps of the plane. Now they do get uh, wanded before they walk in, but again, private airport with nobody else around, so it is not. Uh, every once in a while, customs, you might have to go through a public airport, but that's about it. Now, I travel with the Sounds for half a season, and they do the airport deal. No no private airports at AAA. No yeah, bus. Barely uh, get paid at AAA, yeah. so. I mean, what do you expect? Which is an issue for AAA ball players, actually, but yeah. Um, and that's so, so, again, I don't understand the bubble then. But whatever, here we are. And I'm not real mad about it because the Braves play tonight and they play a team that has struggled to hit home runs against pitching who has not given up many home runs and this ballpark does not lend itself to home runs. So, therefore, one, I don't know how much it helps the Braves' offense, but it certainly doesn't help the Dodgers' offense. So, I'm okay with that. I'm still scared of this offense. Uh, Well, of course you're scared. I'm scared. But, you know, it doesn't – the fact is that when the Braves hit home runs, they're hitting them 435 feet, which would just about go out of any ballpark or any park outside of Yellowstone. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, it's whatever. Boom, Yeah, anyway, so back to the NFL, because I want to get to this before we get into much baseball talk. Uh, we expect the Titans to play tomorrow on CBS against the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. Over the weekend, the Atlanta Falcons fired coach Dan Quinn and general manager Thomas Dimitrov, and that is because they fell to 0 and 5 for the first time since 1997 and i'm not sure i'm not sure what this means for the falcons but they are far too talented to be 0 and 5 i don't know what it means but i think it it just got to a point after that loss yesterday to carolina that they were too far gone and and Arthur Blank even you know acknowledged that in the letter that he wrote to um, PSL and season ticket holders that you know we expected more from this team, we've expected more from this team in the last season and a half than what we've gotten, and this was a necessary move to you know kind of try to stop the bleeding a little bit, and and I think that after Houston got rid of Bill O'Brien last week. It made this move a little bit easier a little for the easier. Falcons. Oh, but, yeah. But also, I think it kind of clears the deck, or, or maybe this is wishful thinking on my part as a longtime Falcons fan, before we actually had a team within driving distance to root for. But I'm, I'm kind of hoping this helps clear the decks for um, an Eric Bieniemy arrival in Atlanta. That was going to be my question. Who would you pick for the replacement? But that's obvious. Go. There you go. And I think you're right. That That's, I mean, if you're a fan of the Falcons, that's who you hope gets the job. I don't know that he does get the job, but we will see. I'm, I'm curious. But anyway, we will talk about Braves on the other side of this. Also, thoughts and prayers out to 
Dak Prescott, who clearly is not going to be back anytime soon. Yeah. So. I didn't see the play, but tough to watch. And thoughts and prayers to Andy Dalton, who now has to deal with the Cowboys <laughs> and their fans. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about baseball. Some breaking news on the other side of the break. We'll talk about that. And tonight's Braves-Dodgers NLCS Game 1. When we come back on to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee, Bone & Joint. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. It is 17 minutes to the top of the hour. Our final segment of the day. Maurice, before we get into the the big the big one in our world, the Braves playing tonight. What was the biggest surprise of the weekend for you from any sports standpoint whatsoever? What was the biggest biggest surprise? Oh goodness. That's a tough one. I think the biggest surprise was LSU losing to Missouri. Even after what we saw from Belazic or I still didn't think that that Missouri could run a true freshman out there at quarterback and beat LSU. I I don't know, man. After watching Mississippi State beat him and then Mississippi State be so bad. Last couple of weeks. Last couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I, know. I don't know. I just I just felt like LSU, even for everything that they've lost, was better than, than Missouri. Clearly I was wrong. Yeah, well. What was yours? I I, I think I, I know where you're going and that's kinda why I picked what I picked. No, I, I honestly as the the biggest surprise of the weekend for me was probably I, I didn't really have an answer to this. I'm just going to be honest with you. I asked you the question. I didn't <laughs> expect you to ask it back. <laughs> um, and so uh, what did you think I was going to say? I I'm thought curious. you were going to say Texas A&M beating Florida after uh, the way you've talked about Texas yeah, A&M. All you, yep. I don't Bingo. understand. You're right. That's what it is. And I didn't <laughs> even think about it. But, yeah, that, that's absolute. You know what? You know what Texas A&M is and Texas A&M beating Florida is? It's trash can juice. <laughs> Steve is going to have to bring us by a s- some trash can juice because that's what that was. That was that's what that was. Trash can juice. But they're going to talk about that being Kellen Mond is trash can juice, but, and this guy freaking had the game of his life. Hey, by the way, did y'all know that Kyle Trask is named after Kyle Field? Were y'all aware? Because. They only told me thirty seven hundred times on the TV. Well, I do know he's from Texas. He was actually he was named after Caulfield. Oh. That was it. That was like the big storyline on ESPN on Saturday. Well, 
<laughs> can he make a name for himself in the place where he was named named for? for it's a, <sighs> anyway, wow. Um, no disrespect to Holly Rowe because she's the one who said that, and I, lo- I thought it was a really great line. Can you make a name for himself in the place where he was named after? But that being once. said, you could have just said that one time, and we would have been good. But no, we had to make it a whole thing throughout the entire ball game. Anyway, yes, Texas A&M trash can juice. And did I read that that was Jimbo Fisher's signature win at A&M? <laughs> well, I mean, he's only been there two years, so I guess it is. It's a top five win, so yeah. It's his first top five win, or first top ten win at Texas a- A&M. Yeah, so there you go. But I'm just not sure Florida's a top five team. I thought they were after – I thought they were. Okay. I did. I thought they were. Uh-huh. Anyway, let's talk about the NLCS because that's exactly what we want to talk about. And we know our typically our friend, <laughs> although I'm not sure how this week is 51 going to. 51 weeks out of the year, maybe. I'm, I'm not sure how this week is going to affect that friendship. But our friend Pernell Knox, big Dodgers fan. Yeah, we may not be going to lunch this week. Yeah, Columbia Academy. Athletics director. <sighs> PK may not want to be around us this week. And we may not want to be around him, depending on how this series goes. We'll see. Word. Um, but let's talk about tonight. You've got Max Freed going up against Walker Bueller. Bueller. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in that. Bueller. I, I'm interested. I kind of thought that they would go. I kind of thought they'd go Kershaw in game one. <laughs> Anyone? Bueller. <laughs> I thought Simone. they would too, but again, it makes again that 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 dynamic of throwing ace in game two mm. kind of thing against and and right now here's the thing, Bueller may be their ace right now. Ian Anderson may be ours. Playoff wise, he's had a be- he's had a better game than Max's last game. His last game was better than Max Fried's last game. So therefore, Ian Anderson has yet to give up a run in the postseason. Max Fried can't say that. That's me knocking on wood literally as hard as I can. Don't hurt yourself. But yeah. <laughs> I will hurt myself if it means Ian Anderson doesn't give up any runs. Against that, <laughs> against against that offense? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That being said, so we know what Bueller brings to the table. We've seen Acuna take him <laughs> deep. <laughs> so, yeah, you have to get really into that one because he that, that grand salami was, was a big one. That was huge. Yeah. Anyway – can can the Braves pitchers keep up? I mean, I think that's the storyline of this series is Atlanta's pitching, Atlanta's young, inexperienced pitching against L.A.'s explosive offense. And, you know, for all the talk that we've done over the course of this show about how well one through nine – how how badly the Braves can hurt you. I I think the Dodgers are certainly the West Coast version of that and more experienced at doing so. I mean there there's not there's not a soft spot in that order either, I don't think. I, I think you're right. They're definitely not the Reds or the Marlins for sure. <gasps> no. I don't expect shutouts, folks. I really don't. Like them I'm I'm hoping I don't expect it. What I expect is for this team to, or these this pitching staff to hopefully keep us within two or three runs 
as it gets to the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth innings. To where the bullpen can come in and be a factor and to where the offense can do what they've done past two years. Win games late. And, and well, they, they've done it ever since Snicker's been the manager. I think they've got, what, 87 or 88 last at bat wins in his tenure. So that's, I it's mean. It's uncanny. It's, it's not – it's not a game for the unhealthy to watch because yeah, you can't be a Braves fan and have heart issues. No, but um, but they get it done. They they find a way to get it done late. Uh, it's it's not the greatest recipe, especially against this Dodger team, I guess. But the Dodgers have bullpen issues. Exactly. They don't know who their closer is. They, and they don't. And and this is not a time to, to have to answer that question. Not against this team. Not against the Atlanta Braves. That's Mick, not what you want to see. Trying, trying to figure things out on the back end against a team that has won on the back end the way Atlanta has, not a recipe for success <laughs> for the Dodgers, to be honest. Right. How important is it for Freddie Freeman to have a better series than he's had in the playoffs thus far? I think your number two hitter, your MVP candidate, you know, needs to be a run producer in this series just for, again for the fact that they may be in some shootouts before it's all over with and as as good as Travis Darno has been how long can you expect to ride that train I I, I don't know about expectation but I'm not jumping off of it until he starts slowing down well and I get that I'm just saying you know if Freddie Freeman is your MVP candidate, if Freddie Freeman is the MVP of the National League, it'd be nice for him to play like it sometime this month. Yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, in, in his last four series, he's he's hit a he's hit two hundred four. He's eleven for fifty four with two homers. Although he did have the walk off, um, but Freddie's kind of been the story of twenty twenty, and this would be a heck of a way to. Extended and and putting a little exclamation on it. I mean, just getting the Braves to a World Series would be a feat in itself. And for a guy who had COVID, came back and has been just incredible uh, in the regular season. He he really needs to have that playoff uh, punch. And and you know he may be the poster child for that, but. In reality, the top third of the order has not necessarily lived up to expectations here in the postseason. Um, neither Acuna nor nor Ozuna have been consistently as productive as you would have liked either. Not Which, in the postseason, correct. Right, and, right. And if you can get those two, Ozuna and Freddie, hitting the way that they have been all and, year. And, and if Acuna can keep drawing walks the way he has, even though he's not necessarily been ripping the cover off the ball, he's been getting on base. And Which is just as good as a double sometimes. Yeah. And and it doesn't even ha- – I mean, he's scoring from first on extra base hits with, you know, regularity. Yeah. I mean, Dude can flat out fly. So. That's, and that that's an, uh, that is a weapon that – the Braves have have not had in, in years past in these playoff series. So, really excited to see how that plays out. What what I'm curious about is the Atlanta Braves had to take on the Rays, 
the Yankees, the Marlins. They had to hit against Jacob DeGrom all year. This is a team who's got a little bit who's who's had some, I guess some 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 exposure, some tough competition. Whereas the Dodgers, on the other hand, they saw the Diamondbacks, they saw the Rockies. I guess they saw the A's, but we saw what they did. Astros. Yeah, I mean, trash can juice. Padres. They didn't. They didn't play the Astros this year. The Dodgers, I mean. Did they not? No, they're in the AL West. Houston's in the Central. Oh, that's right. So you're no, they're not. They're in the West. Astros, Rangers, A's, Angels. And Mariners? And Mariners. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. So again though, they've not been tested at all. Really. Mm Mm-hmm. So and that's part of the excitement of this is the way each of these teams play within their division and the other leagues division. This is the first time that the Braves and Dodgers will have seen each other all year. And so there's certainly got to be some chess match type situations there just from the unknown quantity that each is for the other. Yeah, I I just I I got a feeling that this is not going to be a three or four game series, and if that's and, and and when that's the case, that's where I get worried about this pitching staff. Yeah, just for the lack of depth in the starting. I mean, once you get past, you know, Freed, Anderson, Kyle Wright, who's going to start that game for for you? And I guess that's probably going to depend on whether the Braves are up two one down to one that kind of thing I'm, I'm not expecting game four to be decisive for either team I, I don't either I think I think it's got to be Bryce Wilson though either way I think with, it has with, to with be. a short leash and but with no I, and I don't know the schedule is it no days off I believe it's no days off so if it's no days off it's got to be Bryce Wilson it's got it can't be Max Freed so no, it can't be Max Freed in game four and it may not be Max Freed in game five could be Chris Martin <laughs> no, I'm kidding, but the the a bullpen game from this Braves team is not out of may the question, not be, and it may not be the worst thing. It may not be a bad option. Throw an opener. Run Jacob Webb out there for a couple of innings. I mean, you've got options. Yeah, Matzik's thrown well this postseason. Only thing about Matzik is I like him on the back end, and if you open with him, then I'm just you, saying. You but he's a bit, but yeah. long long relief. I feel like he's an option. So. Mm-hmm. I'm. This is the this is the biggest the the biggest series uh, in in Braves playoffs since I guess '01, last time they were in the NLCS. Yeah. So really excited. Before we get out of here, we do want to 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 give that that sort of breaking ish news you found and sent me in. Very very sad news this morning. Yeah, you know those of us of a certain age kind of grew up trying to hit left handed. And and flapping our left elbow, imitating the guy who was the catalyst for the big red machine of the um, mid-70s, second baseman Joe Morgan of the Cincinnati Reds, um, apparently died last night, yesterday, um, at the age of 77. And, you know, 
I mean, obviously, I was a kid when he was really doing what he was doing, and you just don't you just don't think of those guys dying. But I mean, in the last few weeks, I mean, we've lost Lou Brock, we've lost Bob Gibson, and now Joe Morgan at the age of seventy seven. Um, those of you at a certain age remember him playing. Those of us at a certain age remember him calling the ninety five World Series. <laughs> That's uh, my my biggest memory of Joe Morgan is the '95 World Series. Well, well, because you were paying attention as a Braves fan, but this guy he was something else. I mean, he was he was a dynamic middle infielder at a time where you didn't really get that out of that position. Yep. So tough news as Joe Morgan passes away at 77 years old. Again, NLCS tonight, game one, 7 o'clock-ish. Make sure to tune into that. Come back with us tomorrow. We'll talk about that game. We'll talk about game two. We will talk about high school sports as it relates to Southern Middle Tennessee. We've got several of those games coming up. So we will talk to you tomorrow, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Have a good one.